Welcome to the Athletes in Action podcast. We are a sports ministry serving athletes at the University of Missouri. Join us weekly for conversations about faith and sport. So, tonight I need your participation. This will be like this will be like family living room night. Um, I was going to talk to you about the goodness of God, and I kind of had this. I knew I was going to be talking for for a while. And I, I, w- I wanted to speak about the goodness of God. And wouldn't you know it, when you want to speak about the goodness of God, that's just about when bad things start happening. Does anybody else experience that? So, my question is, how do I follow God when I feel these things? When I feel doubt, when I feel discouragement, when I'm anxious? How do I follow God when I... When I just see big obstacles in the way, or when I try and I fail, has anybody asked this question? Raise your hand for me. Okay. That's where, that's where I found myself this week. Um, it's been a while since I've had to take a test, but this week I had to take a test. And this is one that I wanted to do well on, and I was eager to... I'm part, of a, I'm part of a team, and so I took this test as part of a team, and we get on our, on our conference call to, to talk about the results. And I get my results. If you remember when the teacher's like passing out your grades, and, and you get some, like, yeah, and then you, then you have some kids just turn their paper over right away. <laughs> I was the guy that just turned my paper over right away. I felt like I was watching everybody else get A's and B's, and I kind of peek under the corner of my paper, and um, this this wasn't a wasn't a grade like a letter grade, but if it was a letter grade, it'd be like a be like a D minus. And I don't know how many of you watch Tommy Boy, but that's not a grade they like to give out. All <laughs> you know, giving out these D pluses and all that stuff. But that's what I got, and it was one of those things where I just felt I felt ashamed, just a little embarrassed. I didn't want to talk about it a whole lot. I was like, hurry, let's move on to the next question. Let's do that. Um, and that's how I felt. But as I was, I was thinking about that, I know sometimes it's not just that we perform poorly. You, goes, you guys in sport, you've played long enough, you know what it's like to do well, and you also know what it's like to, to mess up. Maybe you messed up at a key moment in a game. Maybe some of you talked tonight about being injured, and you're just like, man, how can I even contribute? Do I even have any value to this? To this team with where I'm at. Now those are some those are some trivial types of things. But discouragement and doubt, it goes a little bit deeper. Maybe you've maybe you've lost a loved one. I had a high school friend who just lost his mother to battle with cancer. And so when I look at my test and I compare, I was like, those don't really compare. But the question remains: how do I follow God when I feel doubt? God, where are you? Or just discouragement. Like there's sometimes where you, I know things in my head about God, but man, I am blown away by my ability to forget. How many of you can relate to that? Like you know the promises of God, but circumstance happens and you're like, what the heck? And then you go into this feeling sorry for yourself kind of pity party. Well, that's where I was. And so the question tonight how do we find courage to move forward in the face of that? 
We're going to look tonight, we're going to look at the story of Joshua. Joshua gives us a glimpse of, of what this looks like. So you've got your Bibles on your table. I want you to turn to the book of Joshua. I'm big on flipping the pages. We're going to flip some pages tonight. Joshua is on page 147 in your blue books or on your phone. And I'm going to tell you the story of Joshua a little bit. Now, to talk about Joshua, you first need to talk about Moses. Okay, Moses is one of those who's who of biblical stories. If the Old Testament had a Mount Rushmore, Moses' face would be on it, right? He's one of these, he's one of these heroes. His, you know, his top 10 moves against Pharaoh, those are kind of, those are on repeat. His, his game where he crosses the Red Sea on dry ground, that's replayed on the classic channels, right? That's Moses. And then, you know, we still talk about the classic line everybody knows from Moses, let my people go. Right? Moses is well known like this. But Joshua, Joshua is his backup. Does anybody know what it's like to be the backup? Joshua was the backup. You know, you think about filling Moses' shoes. Moses and God talked face to face. God called Moses his friend. Joshua's the backup. Okay? Now, at the end of this story or where we're going to begin. Moses has just died. It's time for Joshua. It's time for next man up. Your teams have a next man up mentality. That's where Joshua finds himself. So turn in your Bibles. Let's look Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you, all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. So what you need to know, Moses was his friend. Moses was a friend of God. Moses was tasked with would releasing Israel from the captivity in Egypt. So all those, the ten plagues, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Then there's, a, then there's a plague. There's, a, there's darkness, there's frogs, there's flies. And then there's the Passover, the, the, the firstborn, and Pharaoh finally has enough, and he says, okay, get out. Moses takes the children of Israel out into the wilderness, and it's not too long. Good things were happening. But here comes Pharaoh and all of his chariots. There's a Red Sea in front of them. What are we going to do? God says to, to Moses, hey, why don't you just hold your hand up? God parts the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground. Moses was going to take them into the promised land. But they got cranky after they got out and they, were, they forgot. Israelites forgot. They're like, man, why couldn't we just go back to Egypt? That was Moses. Moses dies. Joshua, you're next in line. I want you to take these, the children of Israel into the promised land. Okay? So that's the setting of this story. Look in verse 9. And he says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if God has to say, Hey, be courageous and don't be afraid, what do you think the natural tendency is? 
Right? Be scared and afraid. There's some big things coming here. Verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go throughout the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan. And you'll go in and you'll take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your very own. Okay? So three days from now, we're going to go. In the meantime, chapter 2, Joshua sends out some spies. Hey, let's go scout this out. Let's go see what the land looks like. They encounter what they see. They begin to see, they see giants in the land. Okay, they, see, they begin to see big walls, walled cities, armies. That's what they see. Chapter 3. I want you to find chapter 3, verse 2. It says, After three days the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. The Ark of the Covenant is something you need to know about. The Ark of the Covenant, it really, in this time, probably represented the tangible presence of God. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, there were like the Ten, there were like the ten Commandments, right? You've got, you've got a staff. You've got all kind of miraculous things that had happened. They're contained on the inside of this. And so the Lord says, hey, I want you to follow. I think this is important. Follow the ark. You've never been this way before. Follow my presence is what he would say to us. Follow my lead. Okay? Now, skip down to verse 15. So we're in chapter 3, verse 15. Now, the Jordan River's at flood stage all during harvest. Oh, great. We got across the river, and it has to be this time where it's at flood stage. Why couldn't it be at the time of year when it's, we can step across, or we, got some, we can step on top of the rocks? Nope, flood stage is when we're going. Does that seem like God to you? Yeah, I know this, this is, this is going to be a tricky situation. Let's up it a little bit. Let's make it flood stage, okay? So, verse 15. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the edge of the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. Now you need to picture this. You've got these priests that are carrying the ark of the covenant. And they've got to walk across this river at flood stage. Is that something that you just go marching on into? You, you kind of picture them just like tiptoeing a little bit like this. They step in a little bit. No? Okay, one more. No? Okay, and then they go in. And it says, as soon as their feet touched the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. So the people crossed over on dry ground. The priests who carried the ark, they stopped in the middle of the Jordan. They stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. I want to show you that it took obedience, stepping into an unknown situation. It wasn't dry when they stepped into it. It wasn't clear when they stepped into it. God asked them to step into the unclear. Once they stepped into the unclear, then it stopped. Okay? Now let's finish out the story on chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, 
from right where the priests are standing, carry them over with you, put them down at the place where you'll stay tonight. So Joshua called the men over. He appointed them from the Israelites, one from each tribe, go before the ark of the Lord, go into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, so in this story, they walk through on dry ground. This is one of those momentous occasions. God has shown up big. He's shown up in miraculous ways. Joshua tells him, hey, I want you to go, go get a stone out of the middle of the river. I want you to carry it over here to the side that you cross, and I want you to build an altar. This altar served, served two purposes. One, to worship. God, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Your promises are amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Two, it served to remember. It said so that when future generations pass by, hey, Dad, what's this, what's this altar here? Oh, let me tell you, son. This is when, this is one of those mile-marking moments in my life. God showed up big. But two, think about this. If you have something that you need to remember, that means that you are what? prone to forget. If God tells you to do something so that you remember, that means, hey, I know that you are prone to forget. So one, I feel a little bit better because I am blown away by my ability to forget. He knew that. God knew that. He had them build an altar. Okay? And so one of the things that I want to show you in Joshua's story is that we get courage to go forward by looking backward and seeing where God has been faithful. That wasn't the last time that they would encounter big things. That wasn't the last time that they were going to encounter things that were hard or things that they didn't know. How are we going to make it through? It served as an altar, one to worship. The God is worthy. We serve a God who, who is a God of the miraculous. We serve a God who's the way maker. We serve a God who's the promise keeper. One to worship, one to remember. You're going to forget. You're going to want to pass this down. So, on a very practical level, I want you to look. Let's look in the book of Joshua one last time. Let's go to Joshua chapter 23. Verse 14, it's on the screen, but I want you to see it in your Bible. If you have your own Bible, highlight it, underline it, circle it. This is Joshua at the end of his life, and this is what he says. Joshua 23, 14. Now I'm about to go the way of the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Here's a man who started as the backup, but he experienced God in powerful ways. His entry was crossing the Jordan River at flood stage. 
he goes over, he takes the promised land. God's with him, and at the end of his life, I think this is an amazing thing to, to look back and to say. Not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Our God is a promise keeper. Amen. Now, where this comes relevant for us, we asked the question at the beginning, how do I follow God when all I feel is doubt, discouragement, anxiety, failure? How do I follow God when I see obstacles? This is what I want you to remember. It's grace. Grace. Grace is the promises of God. Grace is the love of God. Love goes first. God made a way when there seemed to be no way. Grace. And when we remember that, faith begins to rise up. Grace leads to faith. Faith means that I can trust in a God like this. I can trust in a God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. I can trust a God whose all of his promises are yes and amen. When I see God show up like that, I have faith. When my faith arises, faith leads to obedience. Faith leads to obedience. I know God's asking me to do something. I don't see the way, but I know that he's faithful and I know that he'll make a way. Maybe I might have to be just like those priests. I might just have to step into unknown. I might have to step into what I cannot see. When I do that, I know with faith that my God will be faithful to me. So grace leads to faith. Faith leads to obedience. And that's when the cycle continues. That's how we get courage. We get courage to go forward by looking backwards and remembering where God has been faithful to you. Now, for those of you who have been to my home, this, this is my own altar. This is my own stones of remembrance. These, are, these represent times in our lives where God has shown up big, where we didn't know how he was going to show up. We leave this on our coffee table. Maybe you've recognized it. But each one of them has just kind of a different, a different little saying on it. It's just so Lisa and I can know this is what it was. I'll share a couple of them with you. This particular one, this one says, no emergency room for Gage. We've got four sons. Gage was our third son. When he was young, he had had asthma. He was probably... I don't know, maybe 18 months, two years old, he had asthma. There was one of those nights, it was about 11.30 at night, Gage began to have an asthma attack. Not just like I need an inhaler kind, the scary kind where, where he was not doing well. We were afraid. We put Gage in the car. Lisa was driving, I was holding Gage, I was praying the entire time. I was, Gage stopped breathing on the way to the hospital. We were so scared, we couldn't get there fast enough. We get to the hospital, we're getting ready to go in, we park the car, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, hey, wait just a second. You know how when you're praying so loud and it's just kind of panicked and you don't, it says stop. It stopped. And I began to listen. Gage is breathing. Not only is he breathing, I think he's breathing normally. Are you serious? Wow. We sat there for about 15 minutes in the car. We just cried. We didn't know how God was going to show up. 
We were terrified, but we prayed. We never went into the emergency room that night. We got in the car, we, we turned the car around, and we went home. God was faithful to show up. So this is one of our marks. No emergency room for Gage. We've got another one in here that says, four salvations at four. One of the things that's most important to a parent is that your children walk with the Lord. In the book of John, it says, there's no greater joy than to know your children are walking with the Lord. Well, four salvations at four. I've got four sons. By the time each one of them were four years old, each one of them said, I want to know and I want to follow Jesus. Now, they're just like you. You have these times in your faith where you're up and where you're down, but I know that my God is faithful. This is one of those times for me. I'm going to share one last one with you. This one is, is separate, but this one says emergency room paid in full. Okay, I told you I have four sons. Gage and Gunner is my youngest son. They both had asthma when they were young. Okay, so this was right about when. Actually, I was just transitioning to Athletes in Action. I, had, I was coming out of my job as a high school guidance counselor and basketball coach. I felt like God had asked me to be a missionary. So I signed up to be a missionary. And just as we talked about at the beginning, I don't know about you, but for me, just when I'm on the edge of trying to follow God with all of my heart, it's not uncommon for bad things to start to happen. Well, as a missionary, I don't even know if you guys all know this, we, one of the things that we do is we have to raise our own support, meaning we have to find people that would say, would you value us investing in athletes that you would give to us on a monthly basis? So my job now was, for the next little bit, next year actually, was to begin to find individuals and families, hey, God's asking us to win coaches and athletes to Christ, to share Jesus with them, to help them grow in their faith so that they can use their platform as a coach or an athlete to share with others. Would you like to partner with us in doing that? Now, you can imagine, put yourself in this situation, you quickly run out of people that you know really well, okay? We were in this spot, and then you find yourself calling people that you you haven't talked to in a long time and asking for money. That has a way of making a guy feel pretty cool, right? <laughs> you feel me? So, I had called out to California. I was gonna talk to, I was gonna talk to this guy and I hadn't talked to him in a long time. I picked up the phone and he said, hey, this is Nate. He said, how are you? He took over the conversation. He's like, he laughed and he's like, you know, this is kind of funny. I'm excited to talk to you, but the timing's a little ironic. He said, I've been thinking about you all week. This past week, I got a promotion at work, and with it came a bonus. I don't know if you need money or not, but I need to obey. If you'll give me your bank account number, I'll wire it to you. Now, because I wasn't with my job at the school anymore, we'd switched insurance. What would have normally been a $100 copay this time I got a bill for 1100 bucks. And this was one of those things where one of the first thoughts in my head was, you're an idiot. Look what you did to your family. Why couldn't you get a regular job just like everybody else? You had to sign up to be a missionary. But then he says, you know what? You give me your bank account number, I'll wire it to you. Case it was for $1,000. You take out the $100 copay that I would have normally owed, it covered the entire amount. I couldn't ask or imagine it be that good. 
God has shown up big as a way maker and as a promise keeper in the light and the darkness. Now, we keep these on our coffee table because you know that life doesn't quit happening to you. Challenging things still come. But God has given us a recipe. The recipe is grace leads to faith. You remember the promises of God. You rehearse those. What has God said is true about you? You begin to remember those and rehearse those over and over again. That brings up faith. Faith leads to obedience. I can do it again. So, 